Welcome to the Tim Fowler Show, where production is paramount and we discuss the tools, time, and people associated with getting jobs done and making a profit. On today's episode of the Tim Fowler Show, we will be talking with another carpentress with the help of special guest Nancy Meyer of Hudson Valley Preservation in Kent, Connecticut. Alongside Tim Fowler, I'm your co-host, Steve Wheeler. Here is the Tim Fowler Show. Hi, everyone. Tim Fowler here, and welcome to another episode of the Tim Fowler Show. We're calling this another carpentress because we're interviewing a woman from Kent, Connecticut, and uh, one of her team members calls her a carpentress, and we've had another woman on that was called a carpentress. So this is our second in that series, although it's more than that for having women on the show. So again, just telling everybody, uh, let me know what we can put on for you. Give us some ideas, topics. Uh, Let us do the hard work of tracking down the people that know about what you want to know about. Just give me some ideas and we'd love to have them on. So recently, uh, I attended the Journal Light Construction Show in Providence, Rhode Island. It's a show that I've been to year after year after year. And I go for the purpose of meeting people. I almost always speak at these shows in some capacity. And also, I like to just walk around the show floor and find out, like, what's new? What, what are the new products that are out? Now, part of my mission going this time was to find people to be on the podcast. And so it felt a little strange as a happily married man of 42 years uh, to be walking up to women at the show and asking them, are you a carpenter or are you a project manager? Because I wanted to meet some more people who are in the field and particularly women that were in the field. So it was great to see more and more women at the show and more and more women that were indeed carpenters and working uh, in the field. So whatever the industry has been doing, and I'll take a little bit of credit, not a lot of it, but just a little bit, uh, it's working because we're attracting more and more people uh, and particularly women into the field of carpentry, project management, hands-on kinds of things. So To continue the drumbeat, so to speak, let's go ahead and get started. Steve? All right. So Nancy Meyer is the assistant project manager slash carpenter for Hudson Valley Preservation in Kent, Connecticut, a 1992 graduate of Georgian College in Applied Arts and Technology, majoring in business marketing. Nancy grew up in Canada and worked in marketing, accounting, and public relations before moving to the U.S. and joining Hudson Valley Preservation preservation in 2018. Nancy started part-time as an office assistant before expanding her role full-time. She added Carpenter to the many hats she currently wears. She brings creative attention to project details and a cheerful attitude to the job site and in the office. She's helping change stereotypes of who a carpenter is, as well as bridging the gap between the office and the field. Welcome to the show, Nancy. Thank you very much. It's great to be here. All right. That's quite a that's quite a uh, bio there. Uh, very impressive. So 
Tell us a little bit more about Hudson Valley Preservation. What, what type of company is it and, and what is your role currently there? Sure. Um, Hudson Valley Preservation is a 31-year-old design-build company, as you said, based out of Kent, Connecticut. Um, we currently have eight employees, uh, two owners, Mason Lord and Dave Seegers. We have a full-time office manager, and we have five full-time carpenters, including myself. Uh, When the company first started, our main focus was historic preservation, hence the name. And while we still offer these services, uh, we have been a design-build company for over 20 years. Uh, We have been doing more collaboration with architect driven projects. Uh, We recently began working with a company called Bensonwood. Uh, They are based in New Hampshire and they produce high performance panelized homes. Uh, Uh, Basically what happens is um, the general contractor will prepare the site. Bensonwood brings the house in and sets the house on the foundation. And then we finish the house basically. Wow. That, that sounds like a podcast in the works right there. You know, it's a type of construction that some people do, but you know, most everybody that at least that we deal with, they're still, you know, sticks and bricks, you know, putting things together like that. So the panelized thing is, uh, is, is quite interesting to me. I think it would be interesting to a lot of guests as well. So um, we're going to get to your college uh, world that you was mentioned in the bio, but, how did you get into this, particularly into the carpentry side of this business? Because your bio mentioned that you were office manager and you did this and you did that. And now you're a project manager, carpenter. How did you get into that, particularly as it relates to the fact that most everybody in this trade are, are men? So I did um, go to college and I do have an associate's degree in marketing. Um, And, you know, while living in Canada, I held many different positions, um, mostly office positions, um, sales, marketing, office administration, and finally uh, banking. I was in banking for about five years and I really didn't like it that much, but... (laughs) You know, that's just where I found myself. Um, And when I was 44 years old, I was diagnosed with breast cancer. So I left my banking job and I spent the next year undergoing cancer treatment and basically trying to figure out at 44, what am I going to do next? What is it that I want to do with the rest of my life? And um, I ended up uh, getting hired from um, through a friend that knew Mason, one of the owners as a part-time office assistant in 2018. And I basically was helping the office manager with bookkeeping and payroll and different things. And I started to get more interested in what was going on out in the field. And I think when the pandemic happened, we all of a sudden found ourselves short of carpenters. Right. And we had a pretty big job that we were going to be starting and we weren't really sure what was going to happen with the pandemic. Were we going to get shut down? Should we hire anybody right now? We didn't really know. So I raised my hand and said, I think I could be a carpenter. (laughs) So actually what they did was they brought in a piece of wood and put a couple of nails in it 
and handed me a hammer and said, let's see if you can do this. Oh, that's so great. That and is so classic. I, I love smashed it. that nail in so good. He <laughs> <laughs> said, you're hired. Here's a tool belt. <laughs> oh, wow. That's that is absolutely classic. Now, I'm hoping I'm hoping this was like May or June of 2020, not December of 2020, when it's freezing cold, and nasty in Connecticut. I started as a full-time carpenter on June 1st, 2020. Yeah, that's great. At least you got that summer of really nice weather to, to kind of get used to being in the trade rather than jumping right in. It's nasty in New yeah, England. Absolutely. In- we found ourselves on the roof of a barn in January of 2021. And wow. uh, a lot of my friends were you know, I don't know how you do it. And you yeah. just, you get used to it and it's yeah, really it. nice to be outside. So give me a little bit more about why you didn't go back to the office. Why, what was going on in your head that, I mean, obviously you went to the office at first with the preservation, but what was going in your head that you took this time off to deal with the cancer why didn't you go back to banking or marketing or something like that? Was there a, was there, I don't know. It was there something missing. You just said, I'd like to do something different, or I'm just trying to see like, yeah. why, why did, how, why did you make that shift from these things that are obviously not construction related to go into construction, even if it was in the office to start with? Yeah, I think for me, it was just, I really was at a point in my life where I wanted to wake up every day and enjoy going to work. And I think for a lot of people, it's really sad. A lot of people hate their jobs and you can get stuck in a job that you don't like uh, because it pays the bills and you don't really know how to, it's really scary quitting your job and trying something new if you don't know how it's going to pan out for you. And I think for me, I just, I think a lot of it was just, I was in the right place at the right time. And I had my interview with Hudson Valley and I really wasn't sure how it was going to go, but I figured, what do I have to lose? And I can honestly say after four years, I wake up every day and I love going to work. And so I think that's what it is for me. I, I love what I do. I love the people that I work with, and there's just so much to learn in this industry. So I want to go back a little bit to the college days, so to speak, in the sense that I've tried to encourage contractors to reach out to campuses in some way to try to recruit people to come in. Um, I guess just do you feel like if someone had done that during that time, you might have had some interest in in this type of business. Uh, I guess I'm just kind of looking to see again a little bit about the transition. But would that do you think that would be worthwhile for contractors to reach out to local campuses and maybe do a career day there or something like that, so that people maybe like yourself who go like, yeah, this is good, but maybe they would be attracted to this business? Yeah, absolutely. I think that it it's definitely something that's missing out there. I think it's definitely a lot different now than it was, say, 20 or 25 years ago. Right. I mean, there there's always been women in the trades. 
I just think, you know, when I was in high school, women didn't really take shop class. Right. It wasn't, it wasn't, you know, we took the sewing class and the, and the, you know, the cooking class and you could take shop class if you wanted to. And I just think for me, it just never occurred to me. Yeah. Not that I didn't think I could do it. I, it just didn't occur to me. Right. So I definitely certainly different now. Yeah. Yeah. It's much more widely accepted, I think, but it's still, it's still a rarity. I'm often, I, well, I shouldn't say often a hundred percent of the time I'm the only female on the job site. Right. Right. Whether it be my coworkers, um, subcontractors, whoever it is there, there's hardly ever any other women. So. Yeah. See, I had the opposite experience that when I was, uh, after my first year of college, I did some substitute teaching in the local school and I ended up in a class uh, like home economics class or something like that. And I was uh, giving out a paper and they, the kids were just shocked that I knew what a spatula was. And it's like, Hey, I grew up cooking, <laughs> you know, I can bake an apple pie. I can cook, you know, all kinds of stuff. I know, I know how to get around the kitchen. So it's just sort of that opposite where the kids were surprised that a guy actually knew something about cooking. But anyway, so the point of the show is more about being a woman, being in the trades. And so all of our women guests, I've basically asked this question, uh, what do you think are some of the barriers that women face coming into the trades? And how how do we break them down a little more effectively? How do we get the word out that they're, that, that these barriers need to be set aside and we need to attract more women into the trades? I think maybe from a woman's perspective, there's an uncertainty that we can do the work. Um, You know, some of the work is difficult. It is physical. Um, Definitely in a little bit better shape now than I was a couple (laughs) of years ago. Right. And although I do go to the gym regularly, I got to say, I have a very difficult time carrying a 28 foot ladder by myself. Right. I just think physically, it's not that I'm not strong enough. I don't know what it is, but I can't, I can't do it. And so (laughs) I have to get help. So there, there are some limitations, I suppose, but I'm sure there's some men that can't carry 28 foot ladders too. So, you know, I think. I think the limitations are more focused around the fact that us guys have done it a certain way for so long that we think that's the only way, you know, in other words, when I was in the field doing construction and me and a couple of guys were there, we just pick a big beam up and, and put it where it needed to go. But you know what? They have mechanical lifts for that. Now yeah. you don't have to be able to bench press a hundred pounds to be a carpenter anymore. Right. They had them then, too. We just ignored them. Yeah. But I think it has more to do with that is sort of the expectation Mm -hmm. is is different. But okay, okay, great. So it's the physical strength sometimes. Yes. And I think um, I think sometimes, too, at least for me and with my male carpenter coworkers, I think sometimes just out of politeness, you know, somebody might like say, oh, let me help you with that. Well, that doesn't happen for me. Those guys know that I have no problem doing it and that I can do it by myself. And if it's something that 
it requires two people, then yes, definitely. But, you know, I carry stuff, garbage cans to the dumpster and dump them in just like everybody else does. And, you know, I think that they respect me in that sense that they know that, you know, and I think also too, they probably look at me and say, well, if she can do it without complaining, I suppose I should do it without complaining too. <laughs> Setting a good example for the guys, huh? Exactly. <laughs> okay. That that's good. Okay. Well, any, any other little barriers other than the physical strength? And I mean, I think everybody is aware that in general, men have a, a stronger capacity than women do. I think just as a general rule, it's not true for every person, obviously, but right. Um, any other barriers like that? Maybe before the guys, you know, learned that you could do the work as well as they could. Was there anything that I don't want you to be telling on, you know, uh, Hudson Valley, but but anything that you saw that perhaps maybe a little more subtle that if if we needed to, we could kind of uh, pull back on that and make sure that women feel welcomed. You know, I think it just really depends on the company that you work for. And I can honestly say that um, the company that I work for have been extremely supportive um, in me becoming a carpenter. Um, I suppose after I was hired as a carpenter, I was they were going to send me to uh, Yestermorrow to take a one week women in carpentry class. Okay. that I was so excited to go to. And unfortunately, the day before I was supposed to leave, it got canceled because of the pandemic. Right, right. So I was very upset about that. And, you know, I just said, well, maybe when it when it happens again, maybe you can send me. And they said, by the time it happens again, you're not going to be a beginner carpenter anymore. So it won't yeah. really help you. So I, so think I guess that that leads me to a question that is like, what what did they do? What was the training like for you? And and probably it doesn't matter whether you're a woman or a man, but I'm just kind of curious. You're coming into this thing. They obviously said we we need to get Nancy some training. So we're going to send her to, to some schooling. Yes, but then that, that couldn't that happen. happen. So what, what was the training like for you? So we started a, a project basically on June 1st when I started being a carpenter and it was a complete a renovation of a house built in the 1700s. And so my first day was demo, pulling right. plaster, pulling nasty mouse infested insulation. And they just kept saying, are you sure you want to do this? <laughs> <laughs> and I just kept showing up every day and every day learning something new. And once we got past the demo, then, then the carpentry started and then it got interesting. And, right. um, you know, I just think it was really just on the job day-to-day -day training and, you know, helping me figure out what I needed to work on and, you know, giving me things to do that they knew that I could handle and maybe challenging me a little bit. And, you know, because it was the pandemic, um, you know, there wasn't a lot of people on the site at the time. The owners didn't live there. So, you know, we really just um, it was just day to day learning stuff. So this is if it, I, I hope this is a little bit off script, but maybe you can think of a situation you mentioned giving me things that would challenge me. And this is one of the things that I've tried pushing with companies is that you have to 
give people tasks where they feel like they're growing. Otherwise, if they're always doing demo, it's going to be, they're not going to enjoy it. They're not going to progress. And so can you give me any kind of an example of where you're the carpenter on the job site gave you something that would challenge you a little bit to push you that would keep that interest in growing as a carpenter uh, going? So I do have an example. Um, so I had a, uh, my first performance review a few months ago, and I had to come up with some things that I wanted to work on. So I feel like during my training, I was always put with somebody else to be sort of their helper, um, you know, because I was still learning. And one of the things that I wanted to do that I thought would really help me and help the company is I wanted to frame a wall all by myself okay, without any help. So they said, of course, we are going to have you frame a wall all by yourself. And then I thought, oh, geez, what do I <laughs> what have I got myself into? So um, I had to frame a bathroom wall inside a barn that we are renovating into an office. And I had my materials. I had my chop saw. I had to lay out the wall and, you know, figure out, figure everything out pretty much on my own. I did, you know, if I had a question, I was allowed to ask a question, but I got to say, I was so nervous that day that I was doing this by myself. I'm almost embarrassed to say this, but I actually did cry a little bit because I was so (laughs) scared, but I did it. Yeah. That's fantastic. I think that definitely helped me to just sort of get past that feeling of, you know, I have to have someone else with me doing something because I can't do it by myself. And yeah, you know, I just, I think that that's kind of an example of what you were looking for. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. I think that that brings my, to my mind also the idea that if, if I was a business owner, I want people working for me that are, that want to figure it out. In other words, they don't want to be told what to do all the time. And, and I think that's an example of, you know, yeah, I want, I want to move forward. I want to progress. I want to get better at this craft. So I think that's, that's a great story. Terrific story. Thank you. It's the best way to learn if you do it on your own and figure it out. If you've been listening to this podcast for a while, you've likely heard me refer to our roundtables program for production managers. In fact, many of the people that have been on the show are members of that and often are our most popular guests. If you're not familiar with it, several years back, we took the roundtables concept that's been so popular with Remodelers Advantage members and started groups specifically for production managers. Very similar format to what the owners are doing, but focused on production issues and really diving into best practices among some of the best remodeling companies out there. We meet twice a year for two days, collect and discuss performance metrics for each company, and we support each other throughout the year with microboards, smaller groups of your peers who meet monthly via Zoom or by phone to discuss issues and ask for input. So whether you're a business owner looking to involve your production manager or a production manager that needs help taking your department to the next level, we have a spot for you if you're interested. If you are interested in learning more, 
go ahead and email me at tim at remodelersadvantage.com and I'll tell you all about it. All right. So what are some of the things that contractors might be able to do that would attract more women to this trade? Do you have any thoughts on that? So um, we, my company is actually, um, we're going to be participating in a career expo in a couple of weeks, which kind of goes back to what you were talking about earlier. And it's at the local high school here where I live. And um, the goal of this career expo is to expose junior and senior high school students to other career options or other future paths besides the traditional four-year college. And I do think there's going to be different trades there. Um, There's also going to be people from the military, uh, local employers that might be looking to hire kids right out of high school. So the owner, Mason, and I are going to attend this career expo, and I'm actually planning on wearing my tool belt. I was just going to say, be sure and wear your tool belt. Oh, yeah. I'm going to wear my tool belt, and I'm going to talk to as many girls as I can and encourage them if they have any interest in carpentry or any of the trades that they, you know, definitely should pursue it. And so that's, that's in a couple of weeks. So I think that's, um, that'll be good. And my company is also in the very early stages of planning what we call, or what we are going to call a touch a trade, which we kind of got, I don't know if you've ever heard of touch a truck, but that's an activity that, um, you know, fire trucks, ambulances yep. in, yep. in towns for, for kids to go see. So we kind of stole that and we're calling it touch a trade. And we are hoping to have um, a day in probably October uh, here in Kent where we're going to be inviting as many uh, craftspeople, tradespeople, as many as we can to sort of sell themselves to people young and old and kind of just sort of get that buzz going again to try to get more people, you know, interested in the trade. So we're, we're, we're just starting to plan this. Um, like I said, it's going to be in the fall. So we're really looking forward to that. So Nancy, it's, it's incredibly impressive for you to, you know, have the past you have with college and marketing and uh, banking, and then to be able to, you know, work in a contracting company, but jump in as a carpenter. Um, I worked with, a few people when I was in business and in the field where, you know, no matter how many times you trained them, I don't know that they would ever truly get it, you know, being mechanically inclined and just, did you show signs when you were young, having an interest in certain building things, let it be uh, whatever activities, but just thoughts before you had the opportunity uh, of building things that you were maybe skilled at because to lay out a wall, it's just, you know, at that quick of a time turnaround, it's very impressive. So starting well, from you. scratch. Yeah. So did you show signs, you know, interest or, uh, you know, uh, talent early on? Um, so I think that probably when I was growing up, um, you know, my father was a very good carpenter, handyman, fix it, guy around the house. 
And, you know, I definitely have always felt like I got a lot of, of what I can do from him. Um, Mm -hmm. He was um, an engineering manager for many years. So he wasn't a carpenter that wasn't his career, but he built many things around the house. And I definitely, I think, take after him as far as, you know, creativity, detail oriented, um, those sorts of things. And I think it, it was really when I first became a homeowner that I realized how important it was to be able to do some things around your house. It was cheaper. And, uh, you know, I didn't have a lot of tools at the time. And, you know, I think I was kind of forced to just sort of figure some of those things out. Um, But I definitely think that my dad and my dad's influence has had a lot to do with where I ended up. Yeah, that's a common theme. Uh, It's kind of interesting uh, for myself. My dad was a professor at the University of Maryland, but he worked on the house all the time. And I remember helping, you know, with that and the tools were right there for me to use. And so my older brother is a carpenter. My middle brother is very skilled, uh, although he's an engineer by trade. So just I mean, we had all that, you know, all that upbringing. So. Well, unfortunately, we're going to have to bring this to a close. This has been absolutely fascinating. And I have already made a note that uh, sometime uh, in the fall, you're going to be back to talk to us about this touch of trade uh, Mm -hmm. and see, you know, how it goes. Uh, I think that's such a great initiative. Uh, I applaud you uh, tremendously for getting into the schools. I think that's going to be a great, you know, get a picture Make sure you get a picture of you with some of the girls and, uh, you know, your tool belt on. And um, I I just wish you the best for that. And and thank you so much for taking some time today. Thank you. Thank you, Nancy. Take care. So, Tim, uh, at this point, we have, I don't know, four or five women that we've had come on the show that have been in the field, specifically carpenters. And it's funny, almost a lot of the stories have similarities but then the actual story of how they wound up in that position is very different, very unique. And Nancy's is uh, really awesome how she got to where she is now, you know, going through uh, surviving cancer and then having that moment of, you know, I want a job where I can wake up, be happy to go to, and it lands her in this role. And she took to it and it's, it's just an impressive resume story altogether. You know, it's interesting. I can't remember every story, but I'm willing to kind of say that almost none of the women that we've interviewed have come straight out of high school and become carpenters. Almost everybody has done something else. And then someone comes along and says, do you want to be a carpenter? And they go like, yeah, that's that's a cool idea. And and so. I, again, going back to this idea of where are we looking for people? Where mm-hmm. are we? What? Where are we reaching out to the next employee, the next carpenter that's going to come into our business? And you know, we have to train them, we have to you know educate them. But I think sometimes we're reaching out in all the wrong places. We need to reach and find those people out there that you know want to do something different, want to shift in their life, and they're willing to invest. They're willing to put time into it. And this is certainly uh, Nancy's story. And, you know, she's learning, she's progressing, she's moving along. And again, I look forward to interviewing her, you know, after their uh, touch of the trades, touch the trades, and maybe even again, then 
another year from now to see where she is on this uh, pathway uh, that she started on. There's just so many cool things that they're doing at that company. Um, I just, uh, I applaud all of them. And again, the outreach to the schools is fantastic. And I look forward to hearing about how it goes. Yeah. Yeah. And one thing I would note is, um, Tim, you are the ambassador of banging the drum on training and, (laughs) you know, they did have the opportunity to have a training program for her and it sounded like it wasn't their first time doing it. So, uh, it was in place. They had a, you know, something in place for her to do and to train the training program. And I thought that was really awesome. The story about, you know, giving her something that challenges her laying out that wall. Yeah. Um, it was really cool to hear that and that they had that in place. Yeah. Just, you know, a little bit of good, you know, I, I love, I tell people everywhere. I love these podcasts because I always learn something. I always learn something that somebody else is doing that I have not thought of or, In some cases, I've thought of it, but then it's nice to see it being done somewhere. And there's so many little things in here that Nancy's given us that if we just take a little bit here, a little bit there and start applying them, uh, it's going to make a big difference in companies. So we really appreciate having her on. Well, this was awesome. So we want to thank Nancy Meyer for joining us today. And we always want to thank you for listening to another episode of The Tim Fowler Show. And remember, at the Tim Fowler Show, we're working hard to eliminate it is what it is from your vocabulary. This has been another episode of the Tim Fowler Show. Want to hire Tim and fast track your growth? Visit remodelersadvantage.com slash consulting to learn more. And if you'd like more information about Roundtables, our world-class peer advisory program, please send me an email at steve at remodelersadvantage.com. And of course, don't forget to subscribe to the show and comment on iTunes. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week.